You are listening to the Tenacious Acorn Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica O'Neill. Today, our first episode, and I'll be discussing my thoughts on the January phenomenon of detoxes, cleanses, and healthy eating challenges. Do they work? Do we need them? How do they fit into our healthy lifestyles? So this was something I wrote about recently on the blog, and I wanted to sort of expand on it here with you on the podcast Uh, I try not to make my blog posts super long because I know that none of us have that much time to read a 2,000-word essay on my thoughts about eating challenges and healthy eating promotions and and things like that. But I thought here on the podcast I could go into a little bit more detail uh, about how I feel about this and where I think it lives in the health and wellness wheelhouse. So if you looked at the blog, then you have a little heads up about what I think about all of this. But if you haven't had a chance to read that, then this is a great way for you to hear my views on it and see how that sits with you. I know the statistics are that the average American puts on seven pounds between They say between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I honestly feel like now the season gets pushed back to Halloween, even a little bit before Halloween. So we start getting a little more lax with our eating habits and our exercise habits around Halloween, Um, getting ready for Thanksgiving, getting ready for Christmas, Hanukkah, all the holidays that fall I think there's something like 23 holidays that fall from the end of uh, the end of October through the beginning of January when you count like all the major cultures in the world and the holidays. So there's plenty of reasons and excuses and uh, occasions where we're going to be eating a little differently than maybe we normally would be. So by the time January rolls around, maybe our genes are a little snugger, maybe we're looking, you know, at ourselves in the mirror and saying, well, why am I pooching out here? Or when did that start to jiggle? Or where did this come from? And the answers are simple, and we all know them. We loosen up on what we're eating and we loosen up on how much movement we're getting in our daily life. And if you've been a regular reader of the blog, you know that I am someone who doesn't advocate long, hard, super stressful workouts if you're trying to get to your health and wellness goals. I think that a lot of times that's counterproductive. What I really advocate is just more daily movement, uh, A topic for another day would be how we're all designed to walk, basically, as long as we haven't had some sort of medical condition or accident or something that prevents us from walking. But we are designed for long, moderately paced bouts of walking. That's that's how we got everywhere for a very, very long time as a species. So, you know, this time of year, I don't really change my views on that. A lot of people 
rush out and join a gym and think, all right, well, I'm going to whip myself back into shape after all the crazy holiday stuff that I did. And, you know, they'll join a, a challenge at the gym or they'll join a, an online challenge group. Um, I know people who are involved in, you know, Beachbody multi-level marketing company. You know, I have several friends who have gotten involved with that and I see them posting their challenges and inviting people to join. And, and if you have read about me, if you've read the bio section on my blog, then you know that that used to be, you know, not for Beachbody, for for a different company, for a grocery store company, my job was to run those challenges and to run fitness challenges and healthy eating challenges and and promote certain ways of eating, specifically at this time of year, when people are keyed into meeting and, and exceeding their New Year's resolutions to get healthy and stay healthy. And so... Today, I'm just going to kind of talk about what my experiences were with running a, a specific branded healthy eating challenge and what I saw and how that has shaped my views on it. So every year, this time of year, uh, Whole Foods Markets runs a 28-day vegan healthy eating challenge that is a branded challenge, um, a, a branded diet, so to speak. There are books that go with it and products that go with it and and sponsors who give coupons and all that sort of stuff to the uh, to the participants. And it it can be a positive influence on people. I don't I don't want to make it sound like absolutely none of it was worthwhile for anyone. Um, but what I saw as the person who ran it was people were excited to sign up for it because, you know, this was going to be great. They were going to have support. They were going to get information. They were going to get recipes. Uh, you know, we, we held weekly meetings. I gave out meal plans with recipes and shopping lists and coupons for the products that were included in the re in the meal plans and the recipes um, took people on tours of the grocery store emailed them during the week they could email me uh, ask me questions things like that um, and people were really excited to do it and at the initial signups, you know, I might have a hundred people sign up. Seventy-five would usually come to the first meeting. The next week, when the challenge officially kicked off after our orientation meeting and grocery store tours, I would generally have about twenty people at a meeting. So, realistically, uh, a twenty percent retention rate at that point is great. That is, that is a fantastic retention rate for uh, a challenge like that, especially a vegan-based challenge. Um, and then as the weeks went on, the numbers would dwindle, and I generally ended up with between 8 and 12 people completing the challenge. So somewhere, let's say, a 10% completion rate 
for the challenge, which again is not a bad completion rate. But what I would see was every week as we would go along and I'm handing out the meal plans and we're talking about what challenges people had faced um, so far and anything that they were concerned about upcoming, any events that they had to attend or were they traveling for work or things like that, um, people were already finding it, you know, in the second week, they were finding it difficult to adhere 100% to the guidelines of the challenge. And there was nobody who ever completed the challenge who stayed 100% true to what the quote unquote rules were, which was no animal products whatsoever, uh, no dairy, no eggs, no added fats of any sort, except in whole food format. So you could eat an avocado or you could eat nuts, but you couldn't use any sort of extracted oil. You couldn't use any sort of shortening. You couldn't use any added fats at all. And that that's, that's a very strict way of eating and a very different way of eating than most people are familiar with or is really even doable for most people on a daily basis. Um, you really have to cook everything at home yourself. Um, there was really no, no processed foods involved in the challenge, except for the ones that are specifically branded um, as being a part of, of this particular diet. So there are specific branded veggie burgers and specific branded hummuses and, and um, cracker type crisp bread things um, and some frozen mixes and things like that, um, which was another whole thing for me. If you're going to advocate a whole foods based and that's with a little W and a little F, meaning non-processed uh, foods way of eating, then that's what you should be advocating and then not selling what are basically processed convenience foods uh, with that moniker on them. That, that I never really understood that aspect of that particular diet. But with working with my participants every week, again, what I discovered was it was really incredibly difficult for them to stick to the rules. Um, the ones who did continue to come every week and, and graduate at the end were very honest with me about the fact that, well, I am still eating eggs two days a week, or, you know, I did put some oil on my salad. Um, it's, it's just too drastic of a way for most people to be able to eat that way for 28 days. And then, you know, the ideal, the ideal result from, uh, the point of view of, of the people who write these diets and these challenges is that you'll keep eating that way. Um, because they, they do truly believe that that's the best way for you to eat. Again, I didn't find it as being doable for the average person who has a job and has a family and has commitments in the community and, and hobbies and <laughs> wants to enjoy their life. 
So looking at it through that lens of experience and how difficult it was for most people, it really led me to lead lead the challenges differently. You know, I was required to do this as part of my job and, and I am obviously committed to helping people learn how to eat the most healthful way for them. So I would, you know, I ran the challenges quite leniently in terms of, you know, just providing a base of knowledge for people about ways to include more non-processed foods into their diet and in ways to do that that weren't going to soak up all their time. I will be completely honest with you, the first year I ever had to lead that particular challenge, my whole family got on board with me, the three of us ate completely plant-based meals, three meals a day plus snacks for 28 solid days. And our entire lives revolved around when, what were we going to eat next and when were we going to eat next? Because it is incredibly difficult to hit the number of calories that most of us need to be alert and energetic during the day, eating an entirely plant-based diet, unless you're also eating a, a large amount of nuts and a large amount of avocados, um, just because there's the calorie density isn't there. You, you're eating a tremendous amount of food, uh, but you're not really getting that many calories. Yes, you're getting a lot of nutrition, um, and if you're somebody who's very, very overweight, uh, something like this can help you lose weight in an effective manner because you do have the calorie reserves. But if you're somebody like, you know, my partner, Dave, who generally isn't above the mid 150s at five foot 10, you know, he lost probably 10 or 12 pounds on during the eating challenge and was starving all the time. So as soon as he had the option to not eat that way, he, he took that option. Um, and interestingly, most of my participants, again, they put so much effort into doing this, but you know, at the end, when they got their certificate of completion and their goodie bag, cause I made sure to load everybody up with, with, uh, goodies and thank you gifts. And, um, uh, they, we had, we would have a great graduation dinner and they would head across the parking lot after <laughs> our awesome, delicious, vegan, non-processed foods graduation dinner. And they would, they would either walk across to Chipotle, which we shared a parking lot with, um, or they would stop at a, a local place here in Wilmington, which they are totally not sponsors of this podcast, but if they wanted to be, I wouldn't be uh, against it, even though it's not what I would call health food, Flaming Amy's Burrito Barn. If you have a burrito craving, stop by there. <laughs> but a lot of them would hit there afterwards and just get, you know, a massive... 2000 calorie burrito loaded with cheese and sour cream and, and all the other delicious things that, that Amy's has. Um, and, and that really led to me realizing that huge shifts like these 
28-day challenges or 21-day challenges or 30-day challenges that are based on just eliminating whole groups of food or whole ways of eating and just advocating, you know, drinking shakes or not eating anything except for plants or, you know, anything that's a huge shift from what you're used to doing. Yeah, you can do it for a short set amount of time, but you're not going to sustain that behavior. And so why are you doing that? You know, if you're doing it because you want to learn more about a different way to eat, you can do that in a way that's not going to stress you out. You can if if you feel like you're somebody who's not getting enough plants in your diet because plants in your diet are massively important you know they're they're really the only source for certain certain vitamins and minerals phytonutrients they're the best and you know the there are supplements that you can take but really anytime that you can eat a whole food and get the nutrition that your body needs that's the answer you can do that without eliminating all animal foods. You can do that without eliminating any added oils. You can choose to, you know, include meatless Mondays in your diet, or you can say, well, you know, my lunch is going to be a gigantic salad every day, or, you know, in the cold months, I'm going to have a vegetable based soup or stew for my lunch to get these plant foods into my diet in a way that works for me. Um, you know, getting back to the, the exercise portion of things, the movement portion of things. Yeah, you can join a gym and you can hit it hard for, for 30 days and you're going to see some changes and you're also probably going to injure yourself and you're probably going to get burned out and you're probably not going to go every single day in February, you're going to cut back to four days a week. And then the second week in February, you're probably going to cut back to three days a week. And then you're going to go two days a week. And before you know it, you're paying 40 or 50 or 100 bucks a month to a gym that you feel bad that you haven't seen the inside of since maybe March. And I see this happen every single year in January and February. And it doesn't, it doesn't work. If it worked, if these challenges and these programs worked, we would be able to maintain those results. We would all be, the gym would be as crowded in July as it is in January. And it's, it's not that way. If you're, if you're somebody who is a regular gym goer, then you know it, you know that this time of year you can barely get into the gym. It's so packed. You know, those of us who attend yoga classes this time of year, I don't even try to go to a yoga studio this time of year. I'll wait until middle of February to go back to my usual yoga studio because this time of year it's going to be packed. People are going to be stacked on top of each other. There's just no point. The better way to take care of your health is to figure out what you want to achieve long-term and ask yourself why you want to achieve that because your why is what's going to sustain you 
in taking the small, consistent steps to get you where you want to be and keep you there. We, there's no one-size-fits-all answer, but there are definitely better ways to go about getting to your particular goal. Now, if you're somebody who needs to have a big shock to your system in order to get off the couch, then maybe one of these programs could be a little kick in the pants for you. Like, all right, I'm going to do this for 21 days. I'm going to do this thing that's going to stress me out and it's going to be a total shock and do it for 21 days. And then I'm going to implement these five key principles that I'm going to take away from it. And I'm going to implement them in this way. Some people, you know, very rare bird is able to do that. But for most of us, it boils down to figuring out what your specific goal is, figuring out why you want to reach that goal, and then implementing those little steps in there. Drink more water, eat more plants, move around more every day, get enough protein, get enough fat, lose the refined sugars, lose the sodas, lose the processed carbs. It's honestly that simple. I mean, I'm giving you guys the secret here on the podcast. (laughs) I didn't say it was easy, but it is pretty simple when you break it down. So those are my basic feelings on all the programs that are getting shoved down your throat right now online and, and on television and in magazines and, you know, anywhere else that there's an outlet, social media especially. Um, You know, in the blog, I talk a little bit as well about detoxes and cleanses. and, And here's what I'll say on here about that. Your body detoxes itself every single day, 24 hours a day. You have a liver, you have kidneys, you have lungs, you have intestines. That's what's working. You have uh, sweat glands. This is These are all ways that your body detoxes itself. You don't need to take a pill or drink something specific every single day. You don't need to do master cleanse or anything like that. Your body's going to detox itself just fine. It Does it make you feel good to go sit in a steam room and sweat or a dry sauna and, and sweat? Do it. That's a natural form of detoxification. Your sweat is detoxing you. Um, Does lemon help support your liver function? Yeah. Does dandelion tea help support your liver and your kidneys? Absolutely. There are are herbs and, and compounds in plants that will help your body work at its best. So drink some delicious warm lemon water, drink some dandelion tea, do, do any of that. But you don't need to go out and spend $100 on a juice cleanse where they're going to deliver juices to your door and you're going to live on that or buy a $250 juicer and $300 worth of produce every week in order to live on beet green juice and carrot juice to quote unquote detox your body. Uh, your body's going to do it on its own. And an easy way to help your body do it effectively and efficiently is to stop putting crap into your body. Uh, the less crap you put in, the less crap your body has to clear out. 
literally and figuratively. So there you go. There's my thoughts on all those topics. Thanks for listening today. And I hope you'll join me for our next episode. In the meantime, you can learn more about me, my coaching services, and check out what I've written over on the blog at tenaciousacorn.com. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Take care. Ciao.